Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know where you are. You know what time it is. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And this week, we're going to talk about getting max value. What do I mean by max value? I mean peeling them off the ceiling, clubbing them like a baby seal, whatever you use to analogize getting top dollar for your property, whether it's an investment property, something that's maybe a rental and you're just sick and tired of being a landlord, or maybe you're a house flipper and you're going to flip that bad boy and you're going to make top dollar, or you're a a homeowner and, you know, it's time to upgrade, time to decide maybe you're going to sell everything, buy a boat and sail off to the sunset, who knows? Let's talk about getting you max value. And buyers, you should be paying attention because I'm going to give some clues on common reasons that buyers wind up paying way too much for properties. So if you're out there in the buying thing, you should probably be looking out for some of these ninja secrets because if you see some of these in play, you might be able to assume that you should probably drive by and go, yo, home seller, you ever listen to the Cashflow Guys podcast? Because that's what Uncle Tyler talks about. That's one of his things. Guys, in this episode, I'm going to cover things, a couple strategies, a couple ways of thinking about this, a few mindset shifts that may be new to you. Okay, uh, I know I'm getting famous for that, and this is going to be no different. First of all, when you're positioning your property for sale, there's a lot of things you got to think about, right? You want to get top dollar. Nobody ever wants to leave money on the table. Nobody puts their house up for sale and says, geez, I hope I can find someone that'll buy it from me cheap. I hope they just completely take advantage of me and screw me over. That made me feel so good. Nope, that doesn't happen. Everybody, everybody, even the most motivated seller, really deep down hopes they can get the best they possibly can for their home. They don't want to give away to a charity unless they actually do give it to a charity. But also, most homeowners feel they need to spend a bunch of money. That's the common belief system here. They have to spend a bunch of money to complete improvements for the next owner of the home. And by the way, when they have these thoughts, they haven't even met the next owner of the home. They don't know who that next owner is. So for the home seller, it doesn't matter whether you're a flipper or you're, you live in the house now or it's a rental property, you're trying to guess, because that's all you can do, is guess what the other person, the next homeowner, is going to want. What colors do they want? Do they want carpet or tile or hardwood? Do they want a shingle roof or a metal roof? Do they want new air conditioning? Or do they even care about the air conditioning? Maybe they're not going to use the air conditioning. Hell, believe it or not, there are people down here in Key West that don't even have air conditioning in their house. I don't know how they do it. I was here, man, I'm telling you, summertime, it can be hot. I mean, damn hot, real hot. Oof, you could fry an egg on your forehead so hot. People don't have, some people down here don't have air conditioning. So how first question I have is, how can you possibly be able to accurately pick what a future buyer would want? How do you know they want terracotta colored accent walls? What if they don't like that shade of blue? These are questions you should be asking yourself before you do any improvements to a property in preparation for sale. I'm going to tell you a true life story that'll bring it home for you. Guys, it's very, very hard to guess what the, because that's all you're doing, guessing what somebody else wants. So obviously, if you decide that some repairs or some improvements are necessary, and I'm not going to sit here and say that's never going to be the case, that you never have to repair anything in a house, it's a judgment call, right? Maybe get the input of people in your sphere that have some experience in the topic, not Aunt Susie that hasn't sold a house in 40 years or never has, but people that actually get it, right? That maybe somebody knows it's a rehabber. Ask them, hey, will this thing bring me a decent amount of money where it's sitting or how much will it cost me to not do these things? And get a couple people's advice. You know, just don't take the opinion of one person because what if the one person's wrong? 
I realize everybody can be wrong, but the more people you ask, the greater chance you'll find somebody that actually has a brain, right? Um, cleaning and decluttering, guys. Cleaning and decluttering can often bring you a lot more ROI than repairs ever will. What do I mean by that? Well, this goes out to the people that, especially people that have lived in the house for a while. And I don't care if you keep a clean house. I get it. But you got your knickknacks and whatnot. You got all kinds of stuff on the shelf. Maybe you got a whole bunch of paintings on the wall. And some buyers walk in and see all these paintings and pictures on the wall. It isn't that sweet. Like, you know, the entrance hall when you walk in them houses, especially up north. There's like 642 pictures of all the kids and it's a big family and grandma and grandpa got all these grandkids and they love them all. So they have a little photo frame, 642 of them all the way down the entry hallway, down the foyer, right? That's cool. But when I walk in, I go, good God, it's going to take me five gallons of mud to fix all those holes because those things don't come off the wall gracefully. And especially the newer ones sometimes are harder to get off because the older ones are just a nail, but the newer ones, they've got all these cheap, whatever, sticky on things that sometimes take the paint and the wallpaper and the plaster and whatever else is there with them. So it can create a whole mess. So you have to ask yourself, maybe I should take all these photographs down. If I'm committed to selling the property, maybe I should take them down, see what damage is left. Does the place look like it got hit with a 12 gauge with a birdshot in it? And if it does, let's get somebody in there to sort that out. Let's clean that up a little bit, paint it a neutral color, move on. That's a repair that makes good sense. Having lots of too much furniture. That's a big one. I've been in houses where people have got way too much furniture. I've seen staged houses. No joke. Stagers go in and use way too much furniture a lot of times. So the house looks small and crowded because they've got it jam-packed with furniture. Or worse, they use that chintzy inflatable furniture. And then Aunt Ethel goes to sit down on the inflatable couch that was not meant to be sat on and takes a header across the room. Oh, God, I've been around for that one. That's not pleasant. I can tell you, I got stories. Oof. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that in over 20 years of selling real estate myself, I've come to the realization that 90% of the buyers are going to find something to complain about in whatever improvement choices you made. That color blue or who the hell thought terracotta made sense. Yep. If I wish they would have a hidden microphone inside the houses when they're for sale so you could hear what some of the buyers would saying. But you'd probably never sell the house because the seller would want to be uh, taken out of contract on some of the buyers that walk through there. But, you know, when people don't think anybody's listening, they can be harsh. So keep it real general. Try not to go too specific. Don't appeal to the person. you try not, to, try not to go too hard appealing to the person you've never met because that's nothing, guys, but a wild-ass guess. And we all know what a wild-ass guess will do for us. Sometimes we win. Sometimes we don't. Okay? So let's say you inherit a house. Um, declutter that sucker. Have an estate sale, or better yet, have an estate sale company come in and do it for you. That's even better. And have them do the work, get rid of all the extra stuff. It's easier for you, especially if you're attached to the person that you inherited from. Well, even if you weren't, you probably are now. They gave you a free house. Maybe you consider having somebody else do that. If you're a home flipper and you're wondering, man, what backsplash should I use? What Should I use gold appliances? Because, man, those I've always wanted to be like Donald Trump, and maybe if I got gold appliances in this house, other people that want to be like Donald Trump would come buy it. Don't think that way, because it's not true. Okay, so how do you get the answer? What do you do? What Do you get gold appliances? Well, I'm going to go ahead and limb and say probably not. But just for giggles, you find somebody that's doing new home construction, like a subdivision housing area. Most, I tell you, any major metro area has probably got something under construction in a big way. New subdivision, apartment buildings, condos, whatever it may be. Go to their model 
Their model homes are put together such that they appeal to the masses, the largest number of people, the largest audience, and see what kind of things they've done. Look at their color choices. You're not going to find hot pink and blaze orange in a lot of these places. Maybe you will, and if that's the case, run far away. But you'll see places that look sharp but appeal to the masses. Like if 100 people walk through that room, 98 of them are going to be like, that's pretty awesome in there. That's, that's cool. And they may even say, not my taste, but still tasteful. And that's okay. That's a thumbs up, guys. That's a pass. That's a big pass. That's a good one. Um, two thumbs up. So I see a lot of home flippers that tend to do monkey see. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago or last week. Monkey see, monkey do. Actually, that's two weeks ago. Monkey see, monkey do. Or, and this, I saw this happen in Tampa. This one knucklehead decided to come up with these. He found like he got a deal in these gaudy backsplashes for kitchens. They were, I mean, hideous. It looked like something that would be popular in, I don't know, Zimbabwe or Pakistan or some not U.S. country, just ugly. It was like gold and purple. Maybe it looked like it belonged in. You remember Prince? Man, he's one of my favorite musicians. Prince, Purple Rain, like something that he would have. It was a cross between Prince and Donald Trump's decorating style in a backsplash, if you could imagine that audacity. It was just god-awful. Uh, maybe you think it belonged in a Catholic church. I don't know. But the bottom line is it was ugly. And then other home flippers are like, well, this guy's all over social media and he's constantly going live. So he's worth following. So they all went out and bought the same ugly, nasty backsplash that happened to be sold at Lowe's. And I can imagine that somebody in purchasing at Lowe's was probably like, shoo, dodge that bullet, sold those out quick, won't be reordering those. We're just going to go ahead and deal with a few dis, dis, <laughs> disgruntled home flippers that we ran out in stock because we just got lucky, dodged a bullet, right? So that's a classic case, guys, of the blind leading the blind, okay? If you are a flipper and you're new to flipping and you want to know what to do as far as colors, why don't you make friends with a decorator, interior designer? Pay him, pay him to go walk around the property and get a vision and then spit it out on paper. Pay him for a consultation. Even if they're not picking out furnishings and whatnot, it'd be worth paying them because the chances of getting a professional of a professional designer getting it right are a lot greater than most men. I can tell you that. Uh, I'm not a guy that's good at picking colors. I know men that are, uh, that are really good at picking colors, but Tyler's not one of them. I have Jill for that. She's really good at that, but I stay the hell away from that. It's not my thing. My, my job is to make them profitable. Jill's job is to make them pretty and functional. And together we make a freaking powerhouse team because we knock that out of the park every single time. But don't be the one doing the monkey see, monkey do. You don't want to be one of the houses that has the crappy backsplash in the in the area that has to set up the market for a long time. Or the buyers are knocking the cost of a new backsplash off of their offer. And guess I'm here to tell you, they're going to think it costs a lot more than it actually does. Now, recently I had a home seller ask me if they should do any improvements on their home before selling. And I got to tell you, this was a cool home. Yes, it needed some work. It had some deferred maintenance, but it's still a cool home in the right neighborhood, great neighborhood. And I'm telling you, as far as gentrification, probably one of the best neighborhoods in the Tampa market. Um, and I mean, really, it was fantastic. And the house was cool and historic. And all the stuff that maybe needed to be done was, in my opinion, minor and had no real impact on the value of the house. In other words, the seller would never recoup the investment. It's better to leave it be and we'll sell it to someone who wants a gorgeous property that would be easy to make 
beautiful. Okay, the house was already cool. It just needed some little bit of TLC and a little bit of love. It didn't need a major renovation, right? Well, I talked to them about listing it with me. They didn't list it with me. I don't win them all, guys. Um, but they list, They went with choosing an agent that was local to the neighborhood. You know, the neighborhood realtor. Well, the neighborhood realtor, the rationale was, sold a lot of homes in the area. And the question you have to ask yourself is, why is the neighborhood realtor selling a lot of homes in the area? Is it because there's, they're a marketing genius or because maybe they're underselling them all and they're selling them way too cheap? Now, when I talked to these people, I said, e- easily we could get in probably close to 575 maybe a little more for the property, right? So we could get top dollar as it's sat. And for me, when I decide what I think I can get for the for a property, I, fir- I first have to come up with the avatar, who the buyer is. I look at the property, look at who I think it's going to appeal to. I tap into the years I've been doing this, and I understand how, what, how buyers think. I talk to a lot of people. I ask a lot of questions. And that's how I come up with who I'm going to market to. You see, I don't market to the masses. <laughs> I market to a type of buyer. This house was ideal to the new family. They got a house they really want to make their crown jewel. Maybe they, 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 they're both business professionals. They got a dog, maybe a kid or two. They want a yard to play in. They want to be in Tampa, close to activities, close to family, yada, yada, yada. So they want to be able to buy a house that has some meat on the bone that they can fix it up, a great template, if you will. Now, a lot of you think, well, that means they're going to pay less for the house, Tyler. You would think that, but that's really not the case because here's what happens. When you appeal to a larger group of people, and I assure you in today's market, there are more people looking for that blank slate. They can make their own beautiful thing instead of one that's done for you. There are more people looking for that blank slate than you might imagine. They're coming in droves. They're coming from all over the country. And this house is just awesome when you drive by it. So I said to them, I said, look, I would sell this. And I told him exactly how I'm going to sell it to. This is what I'd sell it to. And these, and, and I can tell you that that's going to be a larger group than what you might think. And the result is that we're going to create an auction like environment. So we could list it at five, five fifty, let's say. And the way we're going to market this is we're going to guerrilla market this thing. We're going to put it all over the place. We're going to hit areas like Seattle, New York, New Jersey, Chicago, New England area, LA, Denver, Colorado, where these are high dollar real estate areas, right? Where real estate brings a premium. So when they see a house priced at 550, that's already cool, already has character. And that's a big part already has character. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to get them excited, but unless they actually know the house is for sale, they're never going to be interested or put in an offer. So first of all, I build a marketing program that does that. I put out video ads and and uh, uh, still photo ads and all kinds of different advertised mediums that I have in my arsenal that I put out there to capture their attention and draw them into the concept of having that blank slate. Now, what have I done? I've attracted a big group of people that are willing to fight, to compete, to get this property. Well, what does that do to a 550 list price? It creates an auction-like environment. It gets lots of people interested. And when they get interested, fear of loss kicks in. When fear of loss kicks in, they start bidding with their heart instead of with their brain. And that only helps the seller. Okay. Period. Only helps the seller. So I said to them, 
don't spend anything modeling doing the working on this house, except for maybe let's tighten up the landscaping a little bit. Let's trim the bushes, cut the grass and maybe paint the steps. And we'll leave it at that. Leave everything else there as a blank slate, leave it to the imagination because the house is nice enough to where people will be able to see themselves in it and they can see the finishings that they're going to put on it. Well, it didn't take my advice. They went with the other agent, the neighborhood agent. And let me break down to you kind of how that went. Okay. Well, I can tell you that didn't go good. They put it on the market at 515,000. That's right. $35,000 less than our, maybe it was 520, uh, less than what I was told to put it on the market for. Well, that was lower than on the other houses in the area. So what that did was it drew people's attention to the fact that there's something about this house was different and the seller didn't feel it had the value. Well, the market responded in kind. <laughs> it sat on the market and sat on the market and sat on the market. And the agent said, you should do these repairs. So they spent $30,000 preparing this property for the market. 30000 that's an estimate. I don't know the exact number. Somewhere between twenty and thirty thousand. Uh, they put a new AC in. I don't know why they did that because they're not going to get any benefit of that. Uh, There's nothing wrong with the AC. It blew cold. It was just older. They did floors and paint and all this extra stuff. They did all these extra things. Thirty grand out the window. So twenty days after listing the property, they dropped the price. Sixteen grand, and then another twenty grand a week later. And then two weeks after that, they dropped it another 10. Two weeks more, another 10 to 15 grand. And finally, it went under contract recently. And the new list price currently is right around the 450 mark. So it started at 525. Now it's the ask price is 100 grand less than I know beyond the shadow of a doubt. <clears throat> I could have brought them. 100 grand. And let's not forget that they also dropped 30,000. And improvements. I blame myself. Yeah, I don't blame the seller. I failed them. I did not do a good enough job of educating them on the reality of the market. And that's Tyler's fault. And for them, I apologize to that. Because had I done a better job, then they would be able to get that money, all the money, without spending it. You see, I could blame them and say, you're just bad people because you didn't pick me and pout and complain and say the other agent's a boob and whatever, but that's not the case. The other agent just knows that she could sell houses really quick if she just keeps dropping the price because that's what all agents think. Of course, you could sell any property. You keep dropping the price. I mean, good God, they dropped the price by what? $75,000. Well, anybody could do that. Uh, to get top dollar for any property, guys, you got to let the whole world know it's for sale. Everybody needs to know it for sale. Agents, if you're listening to me, if you're hearing the sound of my voice, you've got to invest some money in market and paid marketing for your clients because that's going to get them top dollar. There's a reason why I consistently get my customers sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars more than what they appraise for, hundreds of thousands of dollars more than any other property in the neighborhood. And I do this time after time after time consistently. I do this because I market the living hell out of the property. You don't have to put lipstick on a pig, guys. You do have to get the whole world knowing the property's for sale. 
because somebody's idea of value in Seattle is different than somebody's idea of value in St. Petersburg, Florida. I hate to tell you, it's night and day. And the people in, in high cost areas, your Denver, your New York, your New England, your LA, your wherever it may be, Seattle, they have a different perception of value than people in Terre Haute and Tampa Bay and Jacksonville and other areas, Charlotte, North Carolina, their perception of value is completely different. See, the person from Charlotte, North Carolina goes to LA and is like, holy crap, you're paying $900,000 for a 400 square foot thing house that's actually on fire and smells like raw sewage. Yeah, that's a deal. You got to run paid ads on Facebook. Yes, I said Facebook realtors. And you're like, oh, you're not supposed to do it. The, the group think is that Facebook is no good for, for real estate. That's garbage. Absolutely good for realtors. Stop advertising the property and advertise the opportunity and you'll get your Facebook ads through. Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Wall Street Journal, if it's a higher end property, get it in the Wall Street Journal. Is it going to cost a lot of money? Damn skippy it is. But are you going to make a lot of money when you sell the house? Damn skippy you are. Are you going to be a rock star and get referrals out of it? You betcha. And that's why you make it happen. Okay. Home flippers, same thing. You should be hiring an agent that is a marketing rock star. Okay. I don't care how many homes they've sold. That doesn't matter. The agent that sold a hundred homes in three weeks, first of all, couldn't do it without help. Second of all, is probably underselling them. And if they've sold them all and I've sold all my homes in 24 hours or less, then you know, for a fact, they're giving them away. There's an agent in the Tampa Bay market right now that brags how they sell all their properties within 72 hours of list. And I can tell you right now, they, on average, sell the houses between thirty dollars and $50,000 under market value. The sellers don't know any better because they take the realtor's opinion on value. This is why I tell my clients, guys, don't take Tyler's opinion on value. Go get an appraisal. You guys have heard me talk about that. Go get an appraisal. Get an appraiser out here to give their opinion of value. We're going to take that, and I'm going to beat it. That's what we're going to do. And I even go so far as I will cover the cost of my clients getting an appraisal. That's right. I will reimburse them the cost of the appraisal if they go get an appraisal. And we list it at, and we get it listed. Obviously, if they don't list with me, then I'm not going to cover the cost of their appraisal. But if they list with me, I'll cover it out of my fee at closing. Makes perfect sense for me. And does it make my job easier? Damn right it does. Does it make the seller feel better about everything? Sure it does. And it also gives me a goal to beat because I don't believe in, in just fair market value. I want it all for my clients. That's how we do it. But this isn't a commercial for Tyler. Okay. I don't matter because this is a nationwide podcast and I can't sell real estate outside of Florida. And frankly, I don't want to sell real estate outside of the Florida Keys or the Tampa Bay area. So this is not a commercial about me. This is a tutorial on how to get top dollar, how to maximize the market. Home seller, wholesaler, house flipper. You got to put some effort into this stuff. We got someone down here in the Keys right now that's got a beautiful compound. They're getting ready to give away to some wholesaler who's probably going to make 150, 200 grand off the deal because they think they don't have to pay a real estate commission. Oh, I guess you're not paying a real estate commission, but you're paying a seminar fee, a big one, because I got news for you. It's still going to sell for what I said it would, which is a hell of a lot more. They don't believe that we can get putting it on the market for it. What we said we can. And I actually was conservative, by the way, I can get them a lot more than that, but I want to under promise and over deliver. So they're literally willing to sell it to somebody because the wholesaler said there's no real estate commission. That's it. I'm actually surprised that people are that naive, but they are. Nonetheless, guys, the opportunity is there. 
there's so much money to be made in selling property right now because for whatever reason, people are willing, willing to pay a premium nationwide. The buying, if you have trouble selling a property, it's not because it's overpriced and that is group think. That is the common mindset. You don't have a price problem. You have a marketing problem. You see, the buying proper, the buying public apparently does not perceive the true value of the home because you have not marketed to the right buyer. So if you want to change the dynamic of the buying public, change your audience to a different buying public. Don't advertise it to people that can't, don't advertise. Everybody thinks a million dollar house is expensive unless you live in a $2 million house. If you live in a $2 million house, a million dollar house seems cheap because your house is worth twice that. See what I'm saying? Don't spend money marketing to people that can't afford the house anyway, because those are the knuckleheads that leave comments on your YouTube videos or your Facebook ads, the dumb people. Don't advertise to people that can't buy the house in the first place because they hate the people that own the nice houses because they're jealous of their success. So cool. Make your life easy. Don't market to them. Shut them out. Market to the proper buyer. Understand who the ideal buyer is for your property. How do you do that? You ask around. You think about it. You'll come up with it. It's not rocket science. If you want to rap about it, get on the phone with me. Tell me the situation. Give me the address. Let me look it up. I'll help you come up with the avatar. No charge. Because I don't want you guys to leave money on the table. Folks, bottom line is, it's not rocket science to sell your next property at a price so high that you set the market. But you got to bring the right people in. If you are a home seller, you don't want to pay a real estate commission, go out and hire a marketing expert. Pay the digital marketer a couple grand and some ad spend, give them a couple grand in ad spend and a couple grand to do the work, still cheaper than a realtor if you insist, and let them market the hell out of the property and bring you buyers that are frothing at the mouth, standing in line, throwing cash at you like Jerome Powell to give you top dollar for your property, guys. This is not hard. The money's there. It's yours for the taking. Just go get it. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.